Hi, Max. I wanted to share something with you. I wanted to tell you how grateful I am and how you've embraced your sobriety since day one. I'm grateful for how you changed your life. I'm grateful for the love you have for me. I'm grateful for you. Love, Mom. If your loved one is still struggling with addiction, you might not feel like you'll ever get to grateful. But we can show you how. At Karen, we've helped families overcome addiction for 70 years. So if your loved one is ready for something different, visit caron.org slash lost. Look around. You can find cars like these on AutoTrader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on AutoTrader. Just you wait. Auto Trader. Let the word go forth. Fool me once. Are you fired up? I'm not a crook. Are you ready to go? Shame on, shame on you. It's Abe Lincoln's Top Hat, hosted by Ben Kissel. Fool me, can't get fooled again. Welcome to the show, everyone. I am Ben Kissel with Marcus Parks. Hey, Ben. Oh, my God. Well, I, before we get to this week's most overblown story of the day, <laughs> which is, of course, the U.N. resolution, the supposed anti-Israel U.N. resolution that the United States um, abstained from. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of people are upset with President Barack Obama and Secretary of State John Kerry for not loving Israel enough, even though we still give them $38 billion a year, <laughs> just enough to buy anything they could ever want. But we'll get to that story a little bit here. Uh, let's just start with what do we what what happened? We had vacation. Yeah, we went. We both oh my God. got the hell out of here for a few days. That was absolutely insane. I left the continental United States. I can't even believe it. I can't believe they would let you out of here. I thought Trump was building a wall to keep you in. You're a national treasure. <laughs> no, they're building a wall to keep the people that I went to go visit out. Oh, I see. And now that you've been visiting with the people that we want to keep out via the wall, what do you think of them? Beautiful people. Keep them out then. <laughs> we can't have that kind of competition here, Marcus. It's tough enough to, uh, to to find people that were more attractive then. I love Puerto Rico, man. There's yes. a very sweet people there. Yeah, it seems like you had a great time. I saw a picture on social media. You were drinking out of a pineapple. I was drinking a pina colada, my friend. Ooh, God, a pina, pina colada out of a pineapple. <laughs> that does sound like a dream come true. That's great. No, it's where it's where Carolina's parents live uh, and where they've lived for like years and years. So nice. I was able to, to just go visit have a nice family Christmas on the beach and then come on back. Absolutely perfect. And now they are a territory. They're not a state. They don't pay taxes. And because they don't pay taxes, you were telling me off air, the roads are superb. They're just the <laughs> best roads. They're a libertarian's dream. The roads, they don't even, you don't even need to have tread on your tires. They're so smooth. You can just roll right over there like a like a uh, very talented uncle at the roller rink. <laughs> well, I mean, Puerto Rico does still pay uh, some taxes, but they just don't pay federal personal income tax, so they don't get a whole lot of money back, uh, and pe- Puerto Rico is bankrupt right now, uh, and uh, the roads are dangerous? That's exciting. <laughs> and those are the kind of roads that I like, dangerous roads. I was in uh, Florida visiting my parents and uh, and my older brother and his uh, fiance, and my little uh, foster brother was there as well, so it was great to see everybody. Um, they definitely pay a lot of tax in Florida. Mm-hmm. So the roads were, were wonderful, and uh, we went to a great Christmas restaurant called Joe's Crab Shack. Oh, I used to work at Joe's Crab Shack. Did you have to sing? Yes. Okay, because that was really obnoxious. <laughs> it, it was awful. It's the worst part. I still get a little bit of, like, just a horrible tingle in the back of my neck every time I hear the Austin Powers theme song. Is that what you had to sing? Because, no, that's the signal that you're about to have to sing. <laughs> oh, God. There's no worse song than the song signaling that you might have to sing. That is atrocious. Yeah, and you never knew what was going to happen. You just had to roll with it. Is it going to be the chicken dance this oh. time? I don't fucking know, you but know you what? better get ready for it. I just want to say, as a customer, you know what I love when my waitress is is talking, but then serving, <laughs> serving. We waited forever to get our food because they had to sing twice, and it was just uh, one waiter and this other female waiter. No other waiters were dancing. No. Um, but it was just, it happened to be our waiter who had a step in his shoe. Or he, had a, he, had a, uh, he had a giddy up in his step, and he was he was a great dancer, um, but I wish he was a good waiter. <laughs> uh, nonetheless, it was, it was a good time. And then from there, speaking of no income tax, I believe Wyoming is a state that doesn't uh, pay income tax, and their are you can tell. Yeah. That is also, it's a fun, <laughs> bumpy time. Uh, you don't need to buy a ticket to ride that roller coaster. Just yeah. go down the highway and uh, and you'll find yourself getting whiplash, which is good. <laughs> of course, it's the home of Dick Cheney 
and uh, and all of the people who support people like Dick Cheney. I had, <laughs> I had a great time though. I bought uh, my girlfriend's father. Uh, it, we did Secret Santa gifts, and I received his name. And uh, so I had a lot of pressure, mm-hmm. a lot oh, of pressure. The father, that's huge. Oh my god, I, I went right to the tip of the spear. <laughs> um, so I'm 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 shopping around. And uh, I find this 48-star flag at a place here in uh, Manhattan, New York. I think it's called Good Old Things. And the name didn't lie. Yeah. It was, most of it was Good Old Things. Uh, and there was some new gum, <laughs> which I think is actually good. If you do run an antique store, make sure the, uh, you know, the snack aisle is fresh. Yeah. So that was, it was fairly new gum. And uh, so I bought this 48-star authentic flag. I had it all worked out. I was like, we got the, t- we got the, new, the two new stars when we added Arizona and New Mexico. And I believe the star was, uh, what do you call it, flown? Uh, the flag was uh, flown, yeah. Yeah, flown. Flown from 1914 to 1949, something like that. I had this whole spiel worked out. I get there to the home in Wyoming. And what do I see when I walk in? A massive 48-star flag. <laughs> what are the odds that I brought a 48-star flag over as a gift, and then I walk in, and there's already a 48-star flag, so we just ended up doing a flag exchange. <laughs> I mean, maybe this is the love of my life now, because we, what are the odds? A 48-star flag? I thought this was the most unique thing of all time. I should have just bought him the gum. <laughs> It was ridiculous. What are the odds of that, Marcus? That's pretty – well, I don't know, man. I mean, you are going to some pretty hardcore conservatives in Wyoming. No, they're not hardcore conservatives. They're not Trump supporters. They were wonderful, great intellectuals. And I had a, a, a nice time actually having a conversation. Uh, I'm not going to say Puerto Rico isn't real America just because, you know, I don't want to say that. <laughs> but one could argue Wyoming might sort of encapsulate the American tradition of freedom and uh, frontierism. Frontierism? Yeah. And things like that a little bit more than uh, the place that you had to visit. I would imagine so, but I so will. They were, but I just want to clarify, they were really wonderful. And it was nice to actually have a rational conversation about politics and no one was upset. And it was the best Christmas I've had in a long, long time. You know what? You bring up a, a really interesting point there. Like when I said hardcore conservatives, you automatically assume that I meant Trump supporters, which I actually didn't. Because I really don't think that there's anything wrong with strong conservatism. I think if mm-hmm. people want to be strong conservatives, that is, of course, they're right, and I think that there needs to be two opposing viewpoints here. There has to be strong conservatism, there has to be strong liberalism, uh, but I think we need to make sure to not lump in Trump with conservatives. You know what I mean? Like I know I think- what you mean, Marcus. I'm going to give you, what What does Chris Hardwick do? He gives you points, so I'm, <laughs> I'm going to give you flautas. I always like to, you know, points, who cares? You can't eat it. Yeah. <laughs> but a flauta, if I give people flautas, every time you make a good point on the Facebook page, which, by the way, I haven't been very active on because I did myself a great service, and I highly recommend, if you are feeling... Um, in, in, in a bubble, if you feel like you're just getting too much information that is completely useless and negative towards your life, such as what Facebook provides, hold that app down on your iPhone or your smartphone and hit that X. Yeah. When the X pops up, just that is the great liberator. I had to not have Facebook, and I still don't have it on my phone for now nine days, and I feel amazing. You know, I think I might do the exact same thing. So uh, find me on Twitter at Ben Kissel, Marcus Parks on Twitter. I feel like that is, and Marcus Parks is also very active on Instagram. For me, I'm just thinking that kind of one-on-one interaction is more suited for my mental stability because Facebook, you just get so much um, information, 99.9% of it either useless or misinformed or inflammatory. Yeah. There is very few times do you see something other than when uh, finding out if your friends are having a birthday. Yeah. That's all that, <laughs> out of all the technology that Zuckerberg put into Facebook, the only thing that it is useful for is remembering a college or high school friend's birthday. Yeah, I agree with that. But I do think, I mean, it's uh, another one of those like logic things where all Trumpers are conservatives, but not all conservatives are Trumpers. Absolutely. You know, there's a lot of people uh, that consider themselves conservative, that are not Trump supporters. Uh, and I think that we need to make sure uh, that we separate those two things. Oh. I think as far as for the mm-hmm. sake of discourse in this country, for the sake of sanity and us trying to come back together in some form or fashion, I think it is important to separate those two things. Well, you make a good point, and that's exactly what we're trying to do here on the show. Um, because you're right, and Trump did sort of cobble together a very bizarre... 
uh, electorate that uh, that was able to push him over the edge, and uh, it's it's something that has to be studied, and uh, it's it's an extremely fascinating phenomenon. So let's slip in now to what you like what you were just talking about conservatism, and what a lot of conservatives who is their god? Uh, it is Jesus Christ in uh, in in theology, but certainly in politics, it's Ronald Reagan. Yep. And in Ronald Reagan's case, going back here now to the UN and their resolution, which Marcus, you can read to the people if you would be so kind. This is the exact wording of the UN resolution. Uh, many people perceive it to be anti-Israel. You could also say it was pro-Palestine if you are more of a uh, a person who leads um, in the direction of wanting Palestinians to have a free state of their own. What is the resolution that the UN voted on? What does it exactly say? Well, a call for Israel to, quote, immediately and completely seize all settlement activities in the occupied Palestinian territory, including East Jerusalem. Okay, so now this is a situation where the U.S. abstained, which is really one of the, I guess, for the lack of a lack of a better term, it's a pussy move. Yeah, right. And uh, well, you know what though? Because pussies are strong, I'm going to say it's a dick move. <laughs> uh, just to clarify that, Ronald Reagan passed. Now, what was it? Twenty one. Uh, very similar resolutions were passed under Ronald Reagan. A total of uh, since 1967, a total of 50 resolutions, which with very very similar verbiage, have been passed. And this is the first time that the Obama administration has ab- abstained, uh, which in in theory is basically supporting um, the Palestinians in this uh, in this situation. Uh, this is the first time that his administration has done so. Well, it doesn't necessarily like like that list. It doesn't necessarily mean they voted for it. It says uh, it's not the first time the U.S. allowed okay. anti-Israel resolutions, and, uh, which I think there actually probably have been in the past. I don't know for sure, but I would imagine this is not the first time we have abstained from voting. And of course, right. in Ronald Reagan's time, it was a much different time. But the Middle East was even more, almost even more complicated then. Well, I thought than Jimmy Carter now. solved it. Didn't Jimmy Carter have some Palestinian and? Israeli peace deal that worked out perfectly. Jimmy Carter did 14. Uh, tried. But, you know, I mean, really, like the Middle East in, in Ronald Reagan's time. The the mm. funny thing about conservatives is that they don't really seem to pay much attention to what Ronald Reagan actually did or said. Sure. Because a lot of the things that Ronald Reagan did and said uh, are completely and totally opposite to what Trump ran on. Well, what he said isn't often what he did either. True. Um, specifically. So uh, with what happened now uh, with this, uh, you know, with the U.N. resolution, the Obama administration is trying to make themselves out to be um, more more liberal in their in their foreign policy, specifically regarding the Palestinians and the Israelis. And I want to clarify, uh, a lot of people talk about Israeli settlements and two people who are extremely pro-Israel, that term settlements is uh, it's a red flag for them. It, it, it tingles their ears a bit. They don't like it because that has been their nation for roughly 4,000 years. If you think about America, you know, we're in a couple hundred over here and some change. And we don't consider North Carolina, which is a state we're going to talk about in a little bit, uh, in a little while, a settlement. So they get the feeling when they hear the word settlement that we're suggesting they have tents encroaching on somebody else's land, mm-hmm. uh, which would then, of course, be the Palestinians' land. So I want to clarify that I understand if you are super pro-Israel, uh, that term settlements does get them a little bit upset. Yeah. Um, so, But what's happened now with the Israelis and the Palestinians, the Palestinian people basically live in a prison in their own nation. And that prison, of course, it does not have a roof, but that only makes the Israeli missiles easier to penetrate. It makes it a soft target. You could argue that maybe the, the Palestinians would want to actually live in a solidified prison uh, for their own safety. And, of course, they don't have the programs, the anti-aircraft missile programs that the Israelis do. I mean, the Israelis have the most... Uh, the most high-tech anti-surface-to-air uh, missile uh, defense system in the entire world. The dome. The dome. It's basically what going back and hearkening back to Ronald Reagan. That's exactly what Ronald Reagan talked about uh, regarding Star Wars. By the way, rest in peace, Carrie Fisher. Of course. Oh my God, I love Carrie Fisher. Everyone did. She was so funny and so charming. Yeah. And by the way, yeah, very very quick thing. If you have problems with addiction, go ask someone. Go talk to someone. Yeah, and maybe they'll have the drugs you need. Um, <laughs> so that's good. So Israel is sitting here again. We give them $38 billion a year, obviously, much like we do in this nation. They spend a huge amount of that on military. The Palestinians are extremely outmatched, uh, specifically when it comes to uh, the military, their the functionality of their military, and just, just their ability to build a, a strong army. I mean, it's constantly being disrupted 
basically all the borders are con- uh, controlled by Israel. The food uh, in Palestine is controlled by the Israelis. So they do have a little bit more freedom than they had in the past, but it's not nearly enough for them to consider themselves a free people. Mm-hmm. And that's what President Abbas uh, said here in uh, of uh, of Palestine regarding this UN resolution, he says that the decision lays the foundation for any future serious negotiation, and it paves the way for the international peace conference slated to be held in Paris on January fifteenth. So they want to use the strong rhetoric and the strong verbiage that was in the uh, in the UN resolution as a bargaining chip when dealing with the Israelis. Mm-hmm. And oh boy, is Netanyahu throwing a titty fit? He is not happy whatsoever. And you know, I mean, we have to realize. I I mean, their their cultural differences are very intense, yeah. and uh, <laughs> they're religious. Uh, in many ways, the people, the religious fanatics that put Netanyahu in power, he was running against a relative moderate, uh, this Herzog character. Um, I believe it was the 2014 mm-hmm. uh, when they had their election, and and Herzog was doing much better than expected. And when Netanyahu saw that, he became much more hardline. He ran on a. a really racist. I mean, I don't know any other term for it yeah. uh, regarding, uh, you know, the Muslim individuals and, and things like that. And if you look at the death tolls that's happened, uh, you know, the Israelis, they're the bulls of the mid-90s. And, and people <laughs> always say, how many times can you sneak a bulls reference in? I mean, they are, they're they're shockingly, uh, they, are, they are a much superior military force compared to the Palestinians. In 1987 to, uh, to the year 2000, the total death tolls for the uh, Israelis were 421, and the total death toll for the Palestinians was 1,551. So, I mean, they're quadrupling them. I mean, this is 1994 Bulls versus Mavericks. This is, oh, and the Mavericks, they were an expansion team. Give them a shot. <laughs> <laughs> they didn't know that they would have uh, good years to come in in, uh, in Dallas. And then since 2000 and 2014, the death tolls for the Israelis have been 1,091, and the death tolls for the Palestinians have been 6,890. And again, that is the reason for that is because the immense amount of financial U.S. support that we have been giving to the Israelis for all this time. Well, you could argue that uh, the election of Benjamin Netanyahu and the way that he was elected on that specifically racist platform, I mean, that was, I think people can look back and trace a line from that to Brexit and from Brexit to Trump. Uh, I think there can definitely be a straight through line in that Netanyahu's election back, way back when, just a couple of years ago, that's mm-hmm. the begin. I mean, of course, all this stuff has been bubbling uh, up below oh the surface gosh. for decades yeah, now. Of course. Uh, but as far as it winning elections in modern times, uh, I think that you can trace it back to Benjamin Netanyahu. Oh, absolutely. I mean, Netanyahu has been a an extremely powerful prime minister um, of, uh, of Israel. And, you know, he has been flagrant when it comes to his disapproval of Barack Obama. I mean, let's not forget this is a man who came and spoke to our Congress. Yeah. Uh, he came on foreign soil and had the audacity, and I thought this was a fairly atrocious precedent uh, that the Republicans set, allowing Benjamin Netanyahu not to allow him to speak. I believe, you know, obviously we have to have free speech, and he is a world leader, and we have to show respect to the people who come into our country um, under the guise of, you know, uh, you know, expressing their political beliefs. But the way that he approached it, uh, I thought was particularly offensive towards the American people, specifically his harsh uh, tone and rhetoric against the Obama administration. And again, this is the first time that the Obama administration has abstained from a a perceived to be anti-Israel vote. And and so, and you know, it's, it's really fascinating how uh, the U.S. and how they have framed going, we watched, we both watched this documentary Hypernormalization. Yes, that our friend Anthony Tamek both uh, recommended to us. Yes, and I have to re-watch it because I'm not going to lie, my girlfriend bought me a blender. And I have I have been going <laughs> Number blender. two. Number two, I burnt out the first blender. <laughs> Turns out they don't blend ice that well. I thought you blended ice. You got to get one that's specifically for it. Well, this one has an ice button. No. So I'm going to yeah. hit the ice button and put in ice. Yeah. Or I'll hit the smooth button and put in ice and see if it can do it. Yeah. I don't know. But you, uh, our new, our worldview towards Israel is is uh, so intense now. And, of course, the Trump administration is going to continue that, uh, our love of Israel. And I understand to some degree, I mean, they're a nuclear force in the Middle East. They're a massive ally. 
Uh, and we do need them for strategic military reasons. I just wish that we would come right out and say that's the reason why. I wish right. we would stop being around the bush and bullshitting people. I wish that we would just say that we're friends with Israel because they live in a neighborhood that we need to visit every once in a while. Sure. I wish that we, we would just stay, say that. If we just said that, that would make things so much simpler mm-hmm. and so much easier. And I think that it would uh, lead to a better resolution if we actually just said hey well, listen we need this place palestine you mind palestine <laughs> you mind marcus parks is running he's gonna unseat netanyahu with the slogan palestine you mind which actually does roll off the tongue fairly well palestine you mind it could also be a sitcom starring ray romano and kevin james yeah palestine you mind you, you mind, mind? It? you mind if we hang out like if you if you yeah. let us hang out then uh, we could definitely do a little bit more for you here so palestine you mind? <laughs> that would not be bad. That's for sure. And you can understand the the resentment and the anger from the Palestinian community. They had the Gaza War of 2014. Uh, it really sort of uh, heated up, of course, the Israelis accidentally, supposedly accidentally, and we'll have to take them at their word because I don't want to believe that humans could be this bad, bombing the UN school and yeah. things like that, which in, in many other situations would have led to massive military uh, retaliation on our part, yeah. you know, but of course the Israelis, they can just sort of get away with it because they are such a strong ally over there. There was a moment in the 2014 war uh, where it was 278 dead Palestinians and then one uh, Israeli was murdered and uh, and the headlines were, now there's blood on both sides, but there's an immense amount of different, yeah. you know, like quarts of blood, yeah. you know, <laughs> like one could fill up, you know, three Olympic sized swimming pools and the other like a nice hot tub, you know, which I don't want, I'm not suggesting bathe in blood <laughs> um you know but i don't want to go that's that might that does sound like a fairly middle eastern analogy now that i think about it so um, uh, so i do i believe personally that this is being overblown and the obama administration now they have roughly 20 days left in office depending on when you're listening to this episode they want to get it on record that they have a liberal stance when it comes to uh, the pro-Palestine movement. There's nothing they can do whatsoever. He's had eight years uh, to attempt any kind of resolution between the Palestinians and the Israelis, and you could argue their relationship has been more tumultuous under Obama uh, under Obama than previous administrations. So I think it is a little bit hypocritical. It's a quite political because they're painting Donald Trump, and I'm not defending Donald Trump here. I'm just simply saying the politics of it they're going to paint donald donald trump as the hardliner pro-israel candidate uh as 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 president of course post post candidate current president elect and they're going to try to pivot themselves as a little bit more open-minded liberal uh in their foreign policy regarding the israelis and the palestinians even though again we give 38 billion dollars a year have for eight years under barack obama and this is the first time that he has abstained from a uh from a from a u.n resolution that is slightly pro-Palestine. Well, I mean, I think the other thing, I, I think Netanyahu's coming so hard, it, and he's coming hard in the face of talk, uh, because uh, Barack Obama, of course, went around and did the Middle Eastern tour uh, yes. oh so long ago, uh, and I think that might have worried Netanyahu just a little bit, so he felt like he had to double down on uh, his rhetoric, uh, when in reality, you know, Obama's track record with the Muslim world is pretty terrible. I mean, look at the drone strikes. I mean, we're not doing great. <laughs> yeah, we're not doing great. It's it's pretty terrible. Uh, you know, the red line in Syria. You know, it's a, his track record in the Muslim world has been pretty terrible, other than just a bunch of talk. He's de- well, he did a lot of talk, uh, and it did nobody any good whatsoever. You know, he's had an interesting foreign policy. You have the Iran deal, which greatly angered the Israelis. And I mean, uh, the Iran and deal, okay, there's that. That was, that was a terrible deal by a lot of people's perspective because they do, it does lo- allow for, uh, you know, self-inspection. Um, and if they're anything like, uh, you know, us, we're going to come out looking great. Every time I do a, every time I uh, have a little retrospective moment, I'm like, I'm a good guy. Mm-hmm. You know, you always find the best parts. Always. And uh, so I don't know if that deal is necessarily going to work out that well, and we'll see what Donald Trump wants to do with it, even though his Secretary of State, Rex Tillerson, the former ExxonMobil CEO, was for the deal. Yeah. Um, because it actually opens up some new pipelines, and it gets them some more money, which will be uh, the great the great motivator in deciding if you like a deal or not, will be how much cash you get from it. 
the red line in Syria just led to such a destabilization. Of Oof. course, Barack Obama promised if they use any kind of chemical weapons on their people, there will be mass retaliation. The red line came, they crossed it, and nothing happened. So if you look at the Israelis regarding Obama, I do think that they are upset with his, uh, his lack of action in Syria and his pro-action, I suppose, for lack of a better term, in, in Iran. They don't see how he's benefited them whatsoever. But at the same time, again... 38 billion bucks a year. We're not stopping them from doing anything. They're building as much as they want to build. The Israelis, if you, I mean, there are just some stupid memes on on social media. But if you look at the expansion of the Israeli state, it's it's quite significant. Yeah. Um, and the Palestinians, you know, I understand that you know there are some bad Palestinians, and uh, they have um, harvested and 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 allowed. Uh, groups like Hamas to sort of flourish in, in their economic climate. And of course, Hamas flourishes in, in immense poverty uh, amongst, uh, you know, a populace that has no other option. Saman Arbabi, one of our great friends here, who's going to be on in the upcoming weeks, he was over in, uh, I believe it was uh, Lebanon. And uh, and he was interviewing this kid, and I think I've told this story before. The kid spoke fluent English. He loved Mel Gibson, was his favorite actor, maybe because Mel Gibson is a bit anti-Semitic. <laughs> I don't know if uh, politics played a role yeah. in his loving of Mel Gibson. I don't know, man. I don't think he reads uh, TMZ. I don't think I don't he knows know. about that. I, I don't know. But either way, long story short, uh, the cameraman at some point asked this Western-educated uh, Muslim kid if he would be a suicide bomber, and the kid said, God willing. I mean, so that's the kind of people that are being able to prosper in places like Palestine because they don't feel as if they have any way out whatsoever. Again, they're living in a prison in their own land, controlled completely by the Israeli state, and uh, it is, it, it's 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 such a complex, confusing issue. We're just hitting the surface of it. Of course, do your own research, and, and we can't wait to hear from you and email us at uh, cavecomedyradio at gmail.com if you have personal experience in Israel or in Palestine. But this issue right now, I think it's overblown this week. The U.N. resolution, the U.N. has a lot of resolutions. They go nowhere. We don't particularly follow what the U.N. says. We never have. They're globalists. You know, they're <laughs> part of the globalist agenda. And I think right now the Obama administration is simply politicking uh, and trying to make themselves out to, quite frankly, be a different administration than they were. Yeah. All right, let's move on domestically. All right. Okay, so North Carolina. I was on vacation, Marcus. Yeah. And apparently we lost a democracy. <laughs> I, I guess it's only 49 states we have now that are, that are Democratic unions. Um, I, I, so I'm, I'm trying to get to the bottom of this thing in North Carolina. First of all, I don't know if we really have lost a democracy, but Marcus, we have a little bit of information here regarding redistricting, uh, gerrymandering done by Republicans. There's a new um, incoming Democratic governor, and they limited his state employees to roughly 480 as, uh, as the previous governor had 1,500 he mm. was allowed to hire. Mm-hmm. 425. Okay. So just go into this a little bit regarding uh, there's a, there's this uh, great, uh, I guess it's an institution, the Electoral Institution. Uh, it is called the uh, Electoral Integrity Project. And it's considered okay. to be, by all measures, most people agree that this is the... the this is these are the guys. Like these, these are the guys. these are the guys that you go to when uh, you want to figure out if something is a truly democratic state or not. Okay. So uh, now they and so they 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 have an algorithm. They have a whole they have a whole mathematical formula that they apply to states. And North Carolina, how did they fare in this institute's ooh, opinion? Well, out of their overall integrity score, uh, mm-hmm. it's a scale of a hundred. Uh huh. North Carolina got fifty eight. Fifty eight. Yeah. They, well, they failed. Maybe they were like me taking the ACTs. Were they drunk <laughs> when they were tested? That's not right. So yeah. they got a 58 out of 100, which is not good. You would think in America we, we fancy ourselves a democracy. Of course, we've had many guests on who believe it's a kleptocracy or a you know a, an oligarchy, things like that. But we want to be a, a democracy, and now we have a basically um, a... a we have sort of definitive proof in this situation that North Carolina is failing to live up to the standards that we uh, have for our nation. Yeah, they're ranking right there with Cuba, Indonesia, and Sierra Leone. Sierra Leone is a great name for a dog. <laughs> I've always said that. So that's not good. So they're with Cuba, who of course now is sort of on the uptick when it comes to a democracy. Uh-huh. Uh, that I do agree with Barack Obama and lifting the embargo. I thought that was absolutely insane. And the death of Fidel Castro will certainly help speed up the uh, the. Um, amount of business and uh, in, in, in entrepreneurship that will be allowed in Cuba now. So perhaps on the uptick of democracy, while North Carolina seems to be sliding down a slippery slope towards what Cuba was. Yeah, and on measures of legal framework and voter registration, 
right there with Iran and Venezuela. So what does that mean? You have to cut off a finger to vote, or how does that work exactly? <laughs> uh, it just it makes it, it's very difficult to do. It's more difficult. Uh, yeah, to it, do. It, it's it's mm-hmm. much more difficult. Uh, and these guys, they said that quote North Carolina is not only the worst state in the USA for unfair districting, hmm. but the worst entity in the world ever analyzed by the Electoral Integrity Project. And you know, and that's really disheartening stuff. And you know, we've said this before. I mean, one of our first episodes way back in the day, uh, we proposed. What was it, the Little Caesars Bigfoot Pizza Plan or the Pizza Hut Bigfoot Pizza Plan? It was the Little Caesars Bigfoot Pizza Redistricting Plan. But I think it wasn't actually a Pizza Hut pizza. No, it was a Little Caesars pizza. We could argue about this all day. (laughs) It's one of those two because I got it wrong the first time and someone's like, "Mm, actually, I'm like, what a strange thing to complain about. Yeah. Well, I think that, I think Pizza Hut has the Bigfoot pizza, but Little Caesars has the Bigfoot pizza shape. I see. And so, this is the hardcore political analogies and commentary that people come to Abe Lincoln's Top Hat for. So with this redistricting stuff, I'm sure they did made some minority-majority districts. And, I'm, I, you know, they, they basically carved out the districts that they know would vote Republican and, uh, and disenfranchised certain other political ideologies. It is really upsetting to me that we live in a nation where this kind of activity is allowed. Mm-hmm. I don't understand how, you know, I don't believe the federal government should uh, necessarily get involved in, 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 in schools and, and things like that all across 50 states. And I think the, I think for the most part, state governments are allowed to uh, control their own people or give them what they need because they know their constituents more than a small district of Columbia in Washington. Um, but when it comes to redistricting, I would have no problem with a federal law that just says this is it. It's a blanket grid. Mm-hmm. This is how we're voting in this country. Whoever falls on that side of the grid is voting in this district and vice versa. This redistricting and gerrymandering, first of all, the irony is it's probably going to come to bite them in the butt. You know, if you look at what happened with the Democrats removing uh, the filibuster, I, I guarantee you they want the filibuster under Trump, mm-hmm. but now that's gone. So there's always unintended consequences to actions, and who knows what's going to end up occurring with these new districts. That's why they constantly have to finagle and tool with them, retool them, and there's no good that ever comes from it. All it makes uh, for is lazy congressional, uh, lazy House members, lazy senators. All it makes is guaranteed constituents uh, for people who no longer have to politic or compromise whatsoever. And I think at the roots of the issues in this country, I think it's the issues of this country are rooted in gerrymandering and redistricting. Well, also gerrymandering and redistricting is one of the reasons why uh, we've swung so far to the right, why conservatives sure. swung so far to the right, because when you've got a district that is guaranteed Republican, then it is a question of how Republican you want to be. Uh, and, of course, the Tea Party, that's how they came in. It's uh, In these districts, mm-hmm. the election is not the election. The primary is the election. That is what actually matters because a, a Republican is going to win no matter what. Uh, so these people, like, they actually – I think it was the um, – I mean, we talk a lot about the media here. The media pushed people so far right, and it really scared people into going so far right. So when these Republican elections came up, you got these hardcore guys that were on the side of Rush Limbaugh, uh, on the side of Sean Hannity. And so they got into power, and that's part of how we got to where we are today. I mean, but then, of course, we have someone, again, like Donald Trump, who him as a person wasn't necessarily that far right other than in this election cycle alone where he sort of picked up all the uh, conservative rhetoric and, and, and ran with that ball and even stole a little bit from Bernie Sanders. So, yeah, and that stuff, and that started at the lower level. Like that, All this stuff starts at the local level. It does, but going back, you know, you have someone like Sherrod Brown, who is a Democrat. You do have some, I mean, it is hard on both sides. Uh, it's very in, uh, entrenched right now. I mean, the fact that Nancy Pelosi is still the speaker for, uh, you know, the head of the uh, Democratic Party, uh, not the speaker, but the head of the Democratic Party is absolutely atrocious, and it's because she's been in a safe district for her entire 30 plus year career and at no point will she meet any challenges that are going to unseat her so you have people who get comfortable in office this is we're not supposed to have a uh, you know this isn't supposed to be a, a kingdom this is supposed to be a democracy and it's happening on both the left and the right and I think it's more stifling to the creative minds of the left such as Tim Ryan who wanted mm-hmm. to unseat her and uh, and all the other individuals uh, you know in the Democratic Party who now Barack Obama has promised to start 
you know, this will be Obama's party. Mm-hmm. The Demo- the Clintons are done. Yep. They're gone. They are in Chappaqua, never to leave their basement if they were smart. <laughs> uh, just watch Netflix and chill out. This is now Obama's party, and he will have a massive role to play in harvesting the new talent of the left. And if he, they let him, if well, they'll let him. Yeah. I mean, he is the, he is the he he's going to go out. Uh, the left really likes him. Yeah, uh, he has a strong uh, you know core group of supporters, and I do think. Um, you know, with him and, and Michelle's star power alone, they'll let him. I think they're going to give him a chance. But if they don't understand, he does, he's not doing himself any favors. I'm sorry we're kind of getting away from North Carolina here for a second. But uh, if, if, they, if they don't understand that the uh, massive mistakes they made in this election cycle, when they ran against the second worst presidential candidate of all time in Donald Trump, if they don't realize that they need to stop passing the buck, stop blaming everybody else, Obama blaming Fox News is doing no good for, to anybody. Fox News, at their best show, averages 2.5 million people. Where did the other 60 million people that voted for Donald Trump come from? They can't can't blame media. They can't blame, uh, you know, just everything that they're currently blaming other than themselves. They have to really look inside and they have to rebuild that Rust Belt and that Midwest uh, blue firewall that they've held for so long. Uh, you know, Bill Clinton has lost his touch. He is. He oh, is he's so old. He's so old. He blamed white racist men for voting for Donald Trump. Donald Trump won some of the exact same districts that uh, Barack Obama won, and th- they weren't white racist men at that point. And they were the exact same quote unquote white racist men that voted for him in 1992 in 1996. So they need to stop vilifying huge populations in this country, find a way to embrace them and realize, man, my experience in Wyoming uh, this uh, over the holiday was just a great reminder. People are just normal, good, just trying to go through their lives. The I, I think there's been an indictment and a blanketing of, uh, you know, of, of a personality trait amongst the majority of the people in the center of this country. And so many of them are just wonderful human beings who you can label them any which way you want to. At the end of the day, they're just going through their lives. And I don't think anyone, very few people, wake up in the morning, think, who am I, I going to be a bigot against today? Who no. am I going to be mean-spirited against today? So they, the Democratic Party needs to first stop the blame game. Look inside and find a way to reach out to those work. Not working class, I think, is becoming a little bit of a it's a bit of a red flag word for me. Find the people in this country who just uh, are good people who want to have a, you know, a hand up and uh, who want to who just want to feel appreciated. Yeah, I agree completely. Uh, I think a lot of those people uh, out there, yeah, they're good people. Uh, of course they are, uh, but they're also so homogenous. They don't. They're not bigoted against anybody because they don't have anybody to be big as bigoted that's against. Not true. I mean, I Texas mean, has a huge immigration. Uh, you know, a huge uh, influx of uh, Hispanics. Arizona's the same way. California. Oh, you're getting me wrong. Like you're totally getting me wrong here. I'm not making a negative point here. Yeah. Uh, I'm just saying that those people over in the middle of the country, they don't necessarily oh, sure. think about other people's. Problems. Problems because they don't see those other people. You know, I'm not saying that if you were yeah. suddenly put a black family in Wyoming, you know, in a small town of Wyoming with with no black people, and that all of a sudden everybody around them is going to start hating them because they're black. I'm not saying that at all. I think that's what a lot of people out there think. They think that if you put black people in that neighborhood, yeah. if you put them in there, then they're automatically going to be racist. They're automatically going to be bigoted. That's not true at all. What I'm saying right. is that these what these people think uh, as far as the people that perceive people in middle America to be racist. Um, it's not that these people are racist. It's not that they don't care about you. It's that they don't see you. They don't have any experience with you. I don't, I mean, I, I just don't even, they're not, I, I, I don't know. The onus is not on them, number one. They, they're they just going through their lives and, and living in the same homogenous society that everyone else lives in. I mean, you look at, you know, Chicago is a fairly homogenous uh, society. I mean, there's everyone has pockets of, of their own culture. It's not the onus is not on someone in Wisconsin to go and, uh, and, and, and impose their or, or make some, you know, astral leap to try to understand what other people are like. The onus is on the politicians and the people in office to go to the people understand their needs and do their best to uh, to fulfill their desires and, uh, and and reach out to them. I mean, why? I mean, these people are just working day jobs. No, I mean, of course they're working day jobs, know? but they also have to understand why somebody like Donald Trump scares the shit out of so many people in America that are not white. Well, you know, you know what? They, if they, he they, the they shit have out of so many people that aren't white, then half of the blacks that didn't go out and, and, and chose not to vote, which almost very similar to what the UN did uh, in the UN resolution, they weren't that scared. Kanye West 
Don't even get me going. <laughs> oh, you can't say Kanye West speaks for all black people. No, I definitely cannot say that, and I will not say that. But no, you know but, what? But what I'm but, saying is that I think a lot of those people, and I think that's what causes more of that divide, is that I think that uh, the people who are scared shitless of Donald Trump uh, that did go out and vote, uh, that do have a sure. very vested interest and do care, I think they feel that those people out in the middle of the country don't care about them. They didn't think about them at all. Sure, and that's the exact same way that the people in the middle of the country felt the past eight years. Yeah, so what do we do? Well, that and that, <laughs> and that relies on good governance. Yeah. And people who are, and again, going back now to the gerrymandering and resist, redistricting, that's why we have to change that exactly what this conversation was about. That's why we have to go back and re- get rid of all of that stuff, get people who are actually representing their constituents and allowing their constituents to feel as if they have a voice in Washington, which I do not believe exists any longer. No. Uh, at all. When you vote for somebody... Oh, nobody has a voice. No one has a voice. No. I mean, it, it's all been you know co-opted and taken over, and uh, the, the so-called little people of the world have never been smaller. And yeah. I think it's very unfortunate uh, in this era of social media and things where you could technically express yourself more than ever before, your voice is smaller and smaller than it ever has been. Oh, man, if you think that Donald Trump is your voice and you're not a billionaire, you're wrong. Well, or, because, or, I mean, or you have a really obnoxious voice. <laughs> I mean, if you really just have... I've been talking like this for years. <laughs> because, I mean, really, like, if you thought that Donald well, Trump was your voice, I mean, look at the people that he's putting into power. He's putting billionaires into power. That's what Donald Trump's voice is. That is not the voice of America. That is not the voice of uh, the common man, because I know some people say, like, oh, well, you know, Donald Trump is my voice, or they say that Donald, Donald mm-hmm. Trump is their voice. Donald Trump's voice is the voice of the billionaire, the voice of the millionaire, the voice of the rich. Uh, and well, that's it. That's what the, his policies. I mean, of course, his, like he's the voice. You know, it was interesting. I had a lot of conversations, especially about Obamacare and things like that. And a lot of these uh, Democratic policies, I think they've failed uh, many Americans. They've crippled many Americans. I mean, you know, the minimum wage hike, for example. I think a lot of people are understanding what my personal belief is on those sorts of things. Great in theory, $15 minimum wage. All it's going to do is put mom and pop shops out of business. Walmarts of the world are going to say we have to automate because we can't afford this wage that the government has mandated us to pay these people, even though of course they can. That'll be a total lie. Oh, yeah. But that's going to be their excuse. Automation's going to go through the roof. Mom and pop shops are out. What do you have? Like Elon Musk said, 30 years, 20 years, fucking 10 years from now, we're going to have a living wage the government is going to force to give us $25,000, $30,000 a year. So what Donald Trump represents to a lot of those people is, wow, this guy became a billionaire. Even though his and his father was only a multimillionaire, how did he do it? But maybe my father made ten grand a year, so maybe I can make eighty grand a year. Well, it's the, it's the but you know what I'm talking about. It's the it is the it's the, the message. Dream. It's the American dream. It's the it is the you know I don't think people look at Donald Trump and be like we're all going to be billionaires, but I think they look at him like oh he came from this and he went up. Uh, although you could argue he might have been wealthier had he just invested and never done, done anything. You with can't real argue that. That's a fact. <laughs> Probably. Like, <laughs> that, but that, is a, that is a yeah. hard fact. Yeah. Nonetheless, <laughs> you know. But that's what he represents. Yeah. You know, and that's what people like about him. Of course. I mean, that, that we say it again and again. Uh, the quote misattributed to, to John Steinbeck. Uh, that's uh, actually from a socialist. Is that there's no such thing in America as a, a poor person, just a temporarily embarrassed millionaire. That's uh, right. And that, and yeah. I think that really does. That is a, a big thing uh, about Donald Trump. Is I think a lot of people, yeah, they really do look at him and, and they think, boy, howdy, if I had that, right. you know, if if I if I had that, then maybe if I get him in office, and maybe he'll give me some of that. Maybe I can. Well, or maybe not, I can. Maybe a little bit of that would rub off well, on me. I think we're missing the point, though. It's not about giving it to them. They don't. It is very self reliant. The people in the middle of this country. Well, not necessarily. Maybe but not. The I, idea I could of, have that. I could have it if the government gets off our back and allows allows me to go and achieve the things that I achieve. You know, government so many times with the things they put in place, uh, the Affordable Health Care Act sounds great. I mean, I voted for Obama twice. It sounds great. It is and great. I mean, you're I, getting health care off of it. Right? Yeah. I, I, but if you're in a business and now all of a sudden, uh, you know, you have 50 employees and you just can't foot the bill anymore. And the majority of the jobs we found out that were created under Obama have been part time jobs, which is a direct side effect of exactly what we're talking about regarding the Health Care Act. You can no longer work one job and have one company and be loyal to that company and uh, identify with it and really have self-worth based on your uh, occupation. You have to have two or three jobs. I mean, hell, we certainly do, although now we're doing better with just uh, being able to do the podcast, which is amazing. Um, 
but you know, so that's why people are just finding it to be so the uh, the the unintended consequences of Obamacare was you had to work more jobs, and if you are an industry or if you are a, a, a company trying to grow, it made it almost impossible. I mean, what we really need is that, that we definitely do need something like Obamacare because I mean, just for for example, oh, sure. you know, I can give you two examples right here. You know, like I, uh, it has. Uh, Saved my life mental health wise. Like I'm able to get the medication. Do you that have mental I need. health problems? Yeah, you do. Yeah, huh? Uh-huh. Eight years. <laughs> I had no idea. You would think yeah. I was the one with yeah. mental health problems. Well, you do, but that's a whole different conversation. Undiagnosed. <laughs> if you don't lift up the rug, you don't see the bugs. That's what I always say. That's my motto for life. If you don't lift up the rug, you don't see the bugs. That's pretty nice. That's yeah. pretty good. But but I uh, you know like Obamacare has been great for me. Our friend Ron Ron Krasnow, who uh, got sure. cancer because of Obamacare, his life was saved. Right. Like without Obamacare, Ron might have died. Sure. Uh, and there are a million stories out there just like ours, right. but there are also a million stories on the other side where mm-hmm. people got fucked over hard, both employers and private, you know, private citizens. Mm-hmm. My mom, for example, you know, she, uh, her, what she got through Obamacare was wildly expensive, much more than right. she needed and much more expensive than it was before. I mean, she, uh, her deal was awful. My deal was great. Ron's deal was great. Her mm-hmm. deal was awful. We need somewhere in the middle without well, loopholes. We need like a loophole wizard. Can I uh, recommend a book for your mother, The Art of the Deal? <laughs> Maybe if she would have read that while looking at the healthcare.com, very convenient, easy website. Oh, in yeah. no way is it like you oh, know playing a game of Oregon Trail where no one lives. <laughs> yeah, but we need something. Yeah. We need somebody who can you know look for these loopholes and to keep. We need to get because those loopholes were put in place. By the government. That's Sounds the, that's, to me like you're about to say, let's make America great again, my friend, <laughs> because that's exactly what people believe, or that's what Donald Trump promised I to mean, do. But well, not will he do it. But I'm not saying make America great again. I'm saying make a new America. A new one? Yeah, I'm saying make America something different. Make America a whole different, continue the experiment. Like, well, that's the whole thing you know is what, that America Marcus? is not done. You don't make America great again. You make America something new. That's the whole point of America is that we're trying shit. We're trying shit out. You communist. I think America is just fine the way she is. <laughs> no, it's the American experiment. And I think, like, healthcare, this is a great way. Like, healthcare yes. is something that we can figure out. We can absolutely figure it out. Uh, but that's the great irony of all these loopholes that the loopholes were put in there by people in Congress who were getting money from the healthcare yes. industry. Like, this was something that was the same people mm-hmm. that are railing against healthcare, railing against Obamacare, mm-hmm. are the exact same people that the allowed the loopholes in that make Obamacare bad. That's and the terrible irony of it all. Just to loop it all around, and those people are not going to be held accountable by their constituents because they're in safe safe districts, whether to the right or to the left. So absolutely, absolutely correct. So yeah, uh, yeah. The, I mean, the Democrats are lazy, and the Republicans are crazy. <laughs> <laughs> Put it on a bumper sticker. It's good enough for me. Don't check under the rug unless you want to see the bugs. Um, all right. Well, this has just been a nice episode to come back to, Marcus. Yeah, it has been, man. It's fucking great to do it again. Absolutely. So we're going to be back. We're going to try to do two a week um, because my schedule is uh, we can do it. Uh, so thank you guys so much for listening. Uh, we really appreciate everything uh, that you guys have, uh, you know, just just allowing us to be in your ears is such a privilege and a compliment. So we really uh, take that to heart and we we hope that you're getting some good information from the show and hopefully it's uh you know not uh, not just the same old hard left or hard right rhetoric because at the end of the day if you if you harden your mind to one one side or the other you're going to be by definition dumb yeah you just have to be stupid. You have to put your blinders on, and and that's not what we're about here on the show. You know, look, I mean, hell, look at Alex Jones. The worst thing that happened to him was Donald Trump. Oh, he is a statist. He's gonna be losing. Yeah, I guarantee you, his listenership is gonna go down during. Oh, it's the gonna Donald have Trump. to because yeah. he's, he's gonna love Trump. Yeah, the same thing that happened with Glenn Beck. You, you, you and the same thing with Bill Maher. These people who put, put themselves in, in one extreme or the other because it's an easy market get. I'm trying to write a book right now, and I sent a pitch out um, to an agent, and they, it was a great pitch. They really liked it. But they want me to change it to a more conservative tone. They're like, moderate books are hard to sell. And I'm like, I don't think I want to do that. No. You know, I want to maintain um, being a moderate person, center right on some things, center left on other things, and uh, center center on on certain things. So um, that's what we're trying to do. And and I think you guys are, uh, you know, uh, hopefully it it, it helps you guys have – rational conversations and you don't get super upset because at the end of the day the media is so freaking dramatic yeah 
you know, and everything, you know, look at your window. Everything is fairly fine, unless, of course, you're in a place where it's not. Aleppo. Aleppo. What is Aleppo? <laughs> oh, I miss Gary. Oh, and, of- to the, and to the guy who wrote the, like, 20-page long email, I'm getting through it. He makes some very good points. I'll forward it on to you. Oh, that's good. And I have yeah. to thank this guy. His name is M. Weber. He's from Texas. This is the strangest thing. Yesterday, I was running all around Williamsburg, Brooklyn, trying to find a calendar for 2017. Although I would like if it was like for 2000 and, no, maybe like 1997. Yeah. I would like to just go back to 1990, sophomore year of high school. No, I was super obese and I was getting bullied every day. Maybe 1999. Ugh. That was a good year. Ugh. 4-19-1999. 419 <laughs> was Columbine. Um, but he sent me, I was looking all over the place for a, for a calendar, and he sent me this amazing, like, like uh, it, what do you call that? Collective unconscious stuff. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and he sent me this calendar. Now, unfortunately, it is in Russian. Um, so I cannot read it, <laughs> but but it is all it's all Putin pictures, and uh, it's absolutely hilarious. So thank you, Mr. Weber from Abilene, Texas, for the Putin calendar. I got it, and I love it. Yeah, go get some Betty Rose's little brisket for me. Oh, abs- oh, is that there? Yeah, Betty Rose's little brisket. Uh, brisket. Betty little- Rose's little brisket. Best goddamn banana pudding in Texas. But they have banana pudding, though. <laughs> I think it would be better for the company if they had good brisket. No, the the brisket's fantastic, but not as good as the pudding. No, the pudding's the best. Huh. Best best banana best banana pudding around. Seems kind of a strange thing. No, no, no. Banana pudding is a. It's usually sold at barbecue joints. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. It goes very well with barbecue. All right, check that out. Check that place out. Um, let's see here, Marcus. So I think we'll just do. Yeah, find Marcus on Twitter. Uh, Marcus Parks, Instagram. Marcus Parks. I'm I'm on Twitter at Ben Kissel. I am doing a little bit of Instagram there here and here and there. I've been looking at it. The buttons, I, you know. But you just... anyway, there are a lot of buttons. <laughs> What's the one? It looks like a little envelope. Like it's just like a little. Thing with the, the with envelope, you mean the direct message one? It's the same thing as Twitter. Seems strange to me. <laughs> but anyway, um, thanks so much for listening and supporting all the shows here on CCR. And uh, is that it, Marcus? That's it. Are we done? Oh, go follow me on Spotify. I'm oh, doing a whole. Right. I'm doing a ton of shit on Spotify these days. That's right. And uh, yeah, I mean, I guess the last podcast plug. We're going to be uh, in Boston next weekend. Sold out. So check that out. Yeah. Well, I hope you have a ticket. If you don't, wait outside, and we'll go to a bar afterwards. And yeah. Have a nice time. Um. All right, everyone. Thanks for listening. We'll talk to you soon. For more shows like the one you just listened to, go to cavecomedyradio.com. Hi, Max. I wanted to share something with you. I wanted to tell you how grateful I am and how you've embraced your sobriety since day one. I'm grateful for how you changed your life. I'm grateful for the love you have for me. I'm grateful for you. Love, Mom. If your loved one is still struggling with addiction, you might not feel like you'll ever get to grateful. But we can show you how. At Karen, we've helped families overcome addiction for 70 years. So if your loved one is ready for something different, visit caron.org slash lost. One, two, three, four. Those are numbers. But you already knew that. If you want to know what number you're going to pay each month for your car, use Kelly Blue Book My Wallet on AutoTrader. They're really good at numbers. (laughs) Auto Trader.